watch the throne. What a lovely day. This is episode four, Hollywood Confidential from 1997. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. With us today, second guest on the podcast. I was looking, Mike, I was seeing if we were going to have another solo bolo episode. And we have like a stretch of like eight in a row with a guest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a handful that we have because I knew that there's more without a guest than we've had for past podcasts because we're short of, sort of limiting guests at like three appearances. I think it's, I like this new strategy by us. If I may pat ourselves on the back a little bit. But we have a string of guests. We have the second guest on the show, Nico here last week to talk about That Thing You Do. Today, a returning guest, a returning favorite from both Cage Club and Keanu Club, Mike Flynn. Hello, Mike. What's going on, guys? Hey. So you signed up for a bunch of movies. You're going to be on a really big one down the road, which we won't spoil. We'll get to later. But I think if I remember right, you had a specific reason for picking this TV movie that literally, before Mike and I had watched it, 15 people had logged on Letterboxd. So this movie that no one's ever heard of, <laughs> that probably even fewer people like, why? What? Why? I did not know of the existence of this film until a friend I of... I think, let me, let me interrupt you right now. Film is a strong word for what this is. I don't really want to differentiate <laughs> between film and movie, but like, there's films with a capital F. Then there's, yes. like, movies, which I consider, you know, I, I consider everything a movie, but, like, there's, if you want to be pretentious about it, there's films, then there's movies, and then there's TV movies, and then there's, like, whatever this is, which feels like, and we'll get into it, a TV pilot that failed, that just sort of got dumped onto a TV show or TV channel sometime in the 90s. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on describing this film. Well, I believe that is the case. And if you look at the copyright on the DVD, it was filmed in 1995. Okay. It was not aired on TV until April of 1997 on, wait for it, UPN. That blows my mind. <laughs> that just is so hard for me to comprehend. I mean, I was watching UPN in 1997, like, as a teenager. <laughs> <And> <laughs> to think that this, you know, qualified for television even. I, I, My guess was actually Showtime, and we had gotten some kind of censored German cut. No, this <laughs> is a UPN original movie. I believe it was intended for a series, so it's a failed pilot. Why was I a Attracted, and why did I really want to appear on this episode? A friend of mine mentioned it to me a while ago that his father had bought the previously viewed tape of it from a video store. Okay. And then a few weeks before you announced you were doing the Charlie's Theron podcast, I found it at a video store in North Hollywood under the assumption that it had never been available on DVD. And then I found out it was officially released and all that. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I got to do this. Miami Vice is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. This is this blows my mind when I found out what the connection you're about to unveil. <laughs> There's brains all over the floor. I don't. Tonight. This is <laughs> this bananas. Okay, so Miami Vice is one of my favorite TV shows ever, and the best character on the show was Martin Castillo, who was played by Edward James Olmos, and he okay. was the no nonsense, stern captain that was always on Crockett and Tubbs' ass. He would always require things and there's even a little nod to Miami Vice where somebody knocks on his door to get permission to talk to him in his office in this. I was piqued because Anthony Yurkovich, the uh, writer, was the original creator of Miami Vice. Which is bananas. Not Michael Mann. Michael Mann ran the show. But Yurkovich... Did he really? Yeah, Michael Mann yeah, was showrunner. Yeah, showrunner. For... Oh, I didn't understand the connection when he did the movie then. Okay. Nope. He was... When was that movie? In 06. Oh, that was 06. Oh, okay, wow. He... That's 
almost a decade after this. And then yeah, I thought that might be related somehow. And Mann was showrunner from on the first and second seasons. Yurkovich only created it, and I think he was kind of, he was out of the picture somewhere in the first season because Mann became ubiquitous with the show. So this was this re-teaming with Yurkovich and almost <laughs> insane. The opportunity presented itself to watch this. So here I am. Well, you were literally the only person, including us, who wanted to see this movie. I think you were the <laughs> only person, including us, who had heard of this movie. <laughs> it is very bad. Mike and I were talking, this might be the worst thing we've ever covered for any of our podcasts. It really? Is... Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, look, it's, I mean... It's, it's, a, it's up there. Okay, it's, it's pretty up there. Yeah, but it's pretty high up there. It's like third or... F- it's like third. It's like top three. <laughs> I would... So, here, so here's basically my... There's ranking. criteria. Guys, you watch every direct-to-DVD Nick Cage movie. They're all better. You're... I would... Ra- that's what I was about to say. I would rather rewatch every Nicolas Cage movie over this one. What bothered me most is I was really frustrated because I actually liked the premise. This idea of Hollywood detectives. Well, like, so I could here, kind of roll with it. Can you explain the premise? Because I don't get it. I'm struggling not to laugh at your frustration with this movie <laughs> and why I wanted to do the podcast. Well, well, here's the premise that I saw it was, is yeah. that they are an elite team of detectives that work for the movie studios. Like, if any time there's an actor or actress that is doing something wrong or having an affair and needs it to be swept under the rug or is on drugs or something, like, they, you call these guys and that's their specialty. They, they know how to follow the actors around and get the dirt on them and then report back to the, <sighs> the studios and stuff. I don't know what ag- actually ends up happening as far as the <laughs> plot, but that's the premise, and I was down for that premise, but... I, it's just like from Jump Street with the music, oh, the yeah. editing, yep. the Blade Runner theatrical cut voiceover. <laughs> I mean, it just really wanted me to turn it off like immediately as far as I was concerned. <laughs> the premise that I got was that it was detectives, but they were also actors mixed in with the detectives. Ooh, yes. That's pretty good. They were, huh? Is that true? Uh, yeah, because Sally is an aspiring actress. Uh, okay, that's what I thought. In yeah, my, Charlize. In my, in my notes, uh, Sally's background was she got her SAG card by appearing in a few Pringles commercials and yep. having a four-line guest spot on Baywatch. Right. That was in the movie? Yes. Yeah, it was. It, it oh, was, my God. And I, the only reason I remember that is because they were talking about Charlize, and they showed this is the first time we see her when she's the waitress in that bar at the beginning. And I rewound. I was like, oh, I should probably... Because the voiceover is so boring. Oh, it's God. so boring. It's so monotonous. And it's so exposition heavy. that I was like... I was literally a minute and a half into this movie. I was like, I gotta rewind like 45 seconds because I don't know what I just heard. Like, I was paying attention to this and I cannot describe, I don't know, anything that happened? I was rewinding a lot. It's fucking confusing. Like, (laughs) and then you've got the soundtrack which sounds like they couldn't get the rights to Enigma, but they could afford Never Gonna Get It. Yeah, that that was there and the theme from Shaft shows up at one point, but but the rest is like library music that you just you know, anyone could buy, you know, you send away for, I feel yeah. like oh, God. it's licensed free stuff. 
But you know what, really, another thing is, like, you know, I could totally, once you say Miami Vice, it kind of makes sense. Like, if you, you know, Miami Vice is dated in a great way, you know, the oh, fashion, yeah. the oh. attitude, the right? This is dated in a horrible way. But the problem is, like, all of the lingo, all of the attitude of this is, like, what's terrible about the 90s is, like, that glorified Hollywood better than you-ism, like, I'm, you know, I'm on a movie set, therefore, like, I'm better than the average person, because, you know, they live in bumfuck Montana, or whatever, sorry, Tobin, I didn't mean to say Montana, <laughs> <laughs> but it just kind of slipped out, but, that's but the you thing, get my like, point. But that's the thing, like, the whole 90s as a decade didn't age well, so, like, you have the 80s, and, like, even, like, sort of tacky stuff Extremism. in the 80s is, yeah, tacky mm-hmm. stuff from the 80s is kind of back in fashion, like, you know, the cool stuff from the 80s is definitely back in fashion. Right, like, Stranger Things and all that. But, like, 90s... The 90s, anybody who's nostalgic about the 90s is not nostalgic for the trends, it's just like the memories. No. Like, the clothes weren't good, the music wasn't good, the... You had grunge, basically. You know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and that was early 90s. And then, later on, I feel like the dominant stuff was good hip-hop, but, yeah, it's kind of... Obviously, mm-hmm. there's no grunge in this movie, but I feel... or no. Obviously, they, they don't refer to grunge in this movie, but I feel like if they did, these detectives would be like, oh, that thing from up north? No thank you. Like, I feel like everybody in this movie is basically David Cross from that sketch from Mr. Show where he just is too good for everything. Like, oh, TV is a nickname and television is no friend of mine. Like, <laughs> everything is below them. It makes him hard to like, you know? It makes him hard to get behind as an agency, as a group of elite detectives that could go undercover on movie sets and you know no that would have been cool like to see if I mean if this got picked up it would have been cool to see a plot line where one of them actually gets a job in a movie and then like during one of the takes has to like ruin it and blow their cover by busting someone that's the thing there's potential but this doesn't pick a story I feel like it just it wants to introduce people like characters like in every scene like there's too many characters there's, there's like, like 20, 20 people we're following oh yeah. my god there's like way too many people the threads just dangle it just goes like in all these different directions that unfortunately for a movie it doesn't sum itself up well enough do you know like if this got picked up we wouldn't be doing this podcast because like we would have wasted Charlize for at least a year more like probably four or five or six years you know what I mean like yeah a huge turn That's in wild. 2000 you know where she was in like the Italian job and stuff like in Reindeer Games like all those movies like in the early 2000s like probably wouldn't have happened she would have been like this mid-level broadcast network TV star that is the prettiest person in this movie but it's also like what is there to show like this feels like a not it feels like a copy of a copy of a copy like there doesn't feel to be like an original bone in this movie's body other than the premise of like detectives and actors kind of sort of working together maybe yeah it's like a gritty version of kiss kiss bang bang like without the humor there you go that's like the great version of what's going on here right like there you have them hollywood detectives like that movie and uh the player Robert Altman. Yeah, and the one that just came out last year with Gosling and... The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Three perfect examples. So this this movie just wants to be a Shane Black movie, is the bottom line. And that was the same thing we saw (laughs) with Two Days in the Valley. Mike, can you believe two of the first four things we've done have both been basically bad Shane Black things? Like, they're both... This and Two Days in the Valley are just like, oh, we want to be a Shane Black thing, and we're just not. I wondered if she was going from this set to that set, because she looks exactly the same in this movie as she does in that movie. Joey, can you believe believe that three out of the four movies we've watched so far, Charlize Theron has gotten her ass kicked. Like, uh, 
by God. the corn and children of the corn. Yep. Uh, two days in the valley. Well, that was sort of a fair. F- they that was kind of a draw, but she got beat up. And then by Pat and, and then Richard Nixon in this movie. No, isn't it Bill and Hillary Clinton? It's the Clintons. They're the spinoff. Is of, it? It's yeah. the spinoff of the ex presidents, which in the modern version of this would be alt right Trump supporters. Well, I it's thought crazy. it was. I thought it was Richard Nixon. It looked like it looked like Hillary. I thought it was I Richard thought Nixon. I thought it was Nixon too. But it is Bill. Bill and Nixon sort of have that same sort of nose. Okay. There's a nice little uh, Keanu Reeves connection there because there's there, spinoff, there is. I wrote that the down. spinoff yeah. of the ex-presidents. I don't think that it would have lasted more than, you know, six episodes if it got picked yeah. up the series. Yeah. Do you think, speaking of that, do you think this is like, this is probably the first two episodes? Probably? That's I a good call. I would say it, it would, would have been like the feature length series premiere, which is how oh, they yeah. would do shows on networks at the time. Right. Yeah. I would see like the actual show would probably be an hour. And then this was like the hour and a half opening movie, like introduction. And then right. everything would go from here but uh, you know maybe yeah i think you're right about that upn lifespan like it could not survive no. on that network this had to be on 247 you know abc nbc cbs something like that then maybe if it had that kind of money and production value behind it it could have gone right so, so what's weird is that there's so much time in this movie spent in strip clubs and we like get oh my god boobs a lot of times mm-hmm. but yeah. we get nothing I, it's just like i thought i saw nudity there might have like been. that's how tricky it was well, UPN was very liberal. Like, there was a lot of risque, I guess. It was like, you know, the risque network uh, for a while. It would sort of try and push boundaries, and they had, like, the Howard Stern show, uh, like, was on there, and late-night movies were, you know, sort of trashy and everything. So if you want to have a movie that takes place in a... or a show that is going to have a scene in a strip club every episode, that is the network to go to, I suppose. This is like Kiss of Death, a TV show. Oh, that would be a great oh, show. Oh, God! Why did you say say that and you could get carried uh you could get uh what's his name redhead in there caruso his name yeah you could get yeah. caruso to do the show oh like, good god <laughs> joey why did you say that now that's all i <laughs> want to watch i forgot about the strip club scenes in that movie where nick cage is using the stripper as a weight yeah bench pressing a stripper it's the best part it might be the best thing he did in any cage movie and he wears all white denim. Little Junior. Can I talk about a person who keeps getting referenced in this that is an actual real life person? You may have heard the name Sherry Lansing several times. Hmm. I might have, but I don't remember. Sherry Lansing was the head of production at Paramount at the time and was responsible for Forrest Gump, Braveheart, and Titanic. And she was also nominated for an Oscar for producing Fatal Attraction. Jesus, huge movie. And married to Academy Award winning filmmaker William Friedkin. Wait, so how is she referenced in this? She gets referenced on like one of those like entertainment talk shows and they say, well, Sherry Lansing's going to be doing this. It's like, oh, Dude. this is made <laughs> being made at Paramount's TV department, so we're just going to reference her. That's super obscure. I really mean, you know, obscure. I was thinking watching this, Mike, is like how much we love stuff by freaking like and Walter Hill, you know, and like their crime films and how great those are, right? And like yeah. how much this wishes it could just have a pinky out of the body of one of those movies in it's it. Like I could trying. totally see them dropping that reference and and thinking that they're one of those types of movies. And and they're not they're not. No. <laughs> Another great Sally moment is she mentions a 90210 cast member puking on a Central Park West cast member. 
<laughs> for uh, listeners who do not remember, Central Park West was a critically acclaimed but quickly canceled show on CBS. Huh. Mariel Hemingway was on it. I watched 90210 in its original incarnation. What I like <laughs> about this is it's the same thing as we're recording this. I just watched another critically acclaimed film, Halloween Resurrection. That movie, <laughs> I feel like like this, does everything it can to date itself in that year. That Charlie's Theron reference, I mean, not that anybody would be watching this show aside from us 20 years later, but it'd be like, what are th- what is she talking about? Or like in that movie, they're using like Palm Pilots and like everything is like very specifically like 1998. I guess in the 90s, they're like, let's just make everything seem like super cool and now and not worry about the fact that like people might be watching this 20 years from now. Like, well, you know what blew my mind? The one part where technology really stood out to me is uh, Edward James almost is meeting with the movie executive at some restaurant and the guy's talking on his little flip phone and almost is looking around and everybody's on a flip phone. And oh, then you he's cut to so him. so angry. Dude, he's so pissed but you cut to him in his car and he's got a fucking car phone that plugs into the dashboard like what is his big issue about tech i don't like you keep the phone to the office and you keep the phone to the car you don't bring it into the restaurant it's just rude that's the almost code <laughs> yeah it's okay to drive and talk back then in 97 but nowadays it's like shunned upon i also like at the beginning when we first meet stan navarro senior by the way there's no stan navarro jr on IMDb, like half the characters have last names, and then half the characters don't. Like, we're just, like Charlize is just <laughs> Sally, but almost is Stan. Well, actually, no. We see two little kids. He's a father. We see him go home. One of those has to be Stan Navarro Jr. And in that part, it's great because they're watching apparently things that Stan finds inappropriate. Oh. He's like, I thought we had a channel blocker for Headbangers Ball. And then he flips on Friday the 13th, part three. Yes. Very symbolic to me that he put on that movie would sneak its way oh. into here. Like, like we also had Children of the Corn Part Three earlier, but we're getting all of these like weird references to movies of Part Threes in our Cage Clubs. It's just like early Keanu letting yeah, with go Superman, Superman three. three. Yeah, so yeah, like all these pop up in early. <laughs> Cage Club. It's great. Oh, also, they also reference hard copy and entertainment tonight. Once again, yep. corporate synergy. They were both produced by Paramount TV. There you go. This is cut like an episode of Entertainment Tonight at times, you know? <laughs> like, And I'm sure that had something to do with having to come in and out of act breaks and things, but yes. it gets to the point where like, I think I'm watching one of those shows and then it cuts to a story and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, like There's a plot here. Okay, I gotta pay attention. <laughs> but then, what really throws me, like, as soon as I think I'm getting a handle on this movie there's like all these weird flashbacks black and white flashbacks we never find out why edward james almost is having or not edward james almost but jack the guy who plays jack um the one with the voiceover do we ever dea guy what is up with him if you look on the dvd cover next to Olmos's name is anthony hedden yurkovich that is the son of creator anthony yurkovich that plays jack oh so it's Gross. okay yeah he did not make it <laughs> The flashbacks, yeah, it feels like they tried to give everyone a checkered past. Like, you see these conflicts. At least I think you see conflicts between, like, Edward James almost and the DEA agent, maybe. That rookie cop, that Latina rookie cop. Like, That's my favorite one. They show a dossier of her, and in all capital letters it says, failure to perform in the line of duty. That there was, like, a carjacking. What was... So there's, like, a carjacking or something, or, like, there were cops approaching a car, and then one cop gets shot from the car, and she just watches it happen. <laughs> well, it's not even so much, like what contains her flashback like i get the point is that she is traumatized by being she wasn't she was a cop she got traumatized and she quit and that's why she joined this elite team of 
Hollywood detectives. But what triggers her flashback is when they're watching their mark, like that lady, and she drowned. Dee Dee, yeah. So she's like their mission is to like check her out, watch her, because uh, I think she got knocked up by a famous actor who's married, and that's like the the situation. They see her drowning. The one guy tries to hop the fence and gets caught in the fence, and that triggers her flashback to this completely unrelated crime like the crime had no elements of a guy getting stuck in a fence or a person drowning so it was just like any the first time she got into a high pressure situation she just froze which was hilarious because this flashback just comes out of nowhere and you just keep cutting back to this poor guy stuck in a fence i mean it's just a riot i don't have i don't even know (laughs) what else to talk about no 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 it's just like the problem with this movie in terms of what we're doing here is there's no analysis of scenes it's just like oh this happened because it feels like everything's unconnected i think that goes back to what you were saying earlier mike that like there's so many characters they're trying to set up so many things that everybody's kind of doing their own thing but they're all kind of like checking in on each other's things like they show them talking to almost and almost is like well what's going on with your guy and they're like i don't know she's like she's got a gun maybe i don't know they're all sort of like different things and i feel like they would play out over the course of a season or six episodes or whatever mm-hmm. but like yes. for here there's too much happening and there's no depth to anything what you just described about where she freaks out with Dee Dee, there's nothing else to say about that because like that's the entirety of what happened so like i feel like just like this tv show just like this movie there's no good transitions in this podcast because like <laughs> it, there's there's no connective tissue to anything else here no there there isn't and there's also <laughs> that director that almost punches out at the end lawrence brent and his name keeps coming up and then we just find out that he's the guy that apparently knocked up Dee Dee. And it's like, oh, thanks for the mystery. They got the dialogue from re- reading Premiere Magazine or Movie Line, like one of the old school trade magazines. Yeah, it's all that Hollywood in-speak they're trying to pull. Like, that's the, 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 the language they're speaking, right? Their insider language, I guess, is what it's supposed to be. I wrote down that this movie is just a string of buzzwords loosely strung together. They're like, how can we sound like we know what we're talking about, but also say absolutely nothing? And it's just like, oh, well, this blah, 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 with this paramount head of blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh, okay, like, that sort of sounds like if you're, I feel like this is a great show if you're half paying attention. Because you're like, oh, <laughs> it looks cool, like, these are cool people, they're good-looking people, they're, they know what they're talking about, they're doing cool things there's a van with some technology and they're talking about snoop doggy dog and it's just like if you try to follow what's happening when i watch other movies and i'm not paying attention and i lose my i lose what's happening i lose the thread that's one thing but here i was trying to follow what was going on like actively paying attention and i just could not do it yeah i was having trouble following along with it i was like picking up random shit it was like I'm watching this and I'm thinking, oh my god, Stan Navarro is Martin Castillo. He just doesn't have the CIA Vietnam background that he had on Miami Vice. Or I drift off on that rooftop scene and think, did they pass the Beckdale test? Oh wait, no, they're talking about a guy. That, okay, can we talk about that rooftop scene for a minute? They cut to Charlize Theron and she's like eating something, I don't know. Well, first she's eating like a hamburger or a pancake or something. And then they cut to another girl and they immediately cut back to Charlize like no time has gone by and she's eating a piece of cake, like a jump cut. And then they cut away and they cut back and she's shoveling low main into her mouth. It's just insane. Like what? The, like the tone of this thing is completely off. Like all the Edward James almost stuff is like this trying to be gritty noir, neo noir, modern noir type of Hollywood. You know, 
deep-seated, like almost like, nah, man, I can't believe I got that. In L.A. Confidential, the character that rhymes with Mevin Macy plays, right, <laughs> where he's like the onset Hollywood detective. Like, that's where I'm trying to feel like they're going with him. But then his crew, it's like the Laugh Factory half the time. Like, for a bunch of actors, they can't tell. And Joey, I know this was one of your complaints, too, we were talking about before. Like, for a bunch of detectives that are trained to act, oh, yeah. like... <laughs> They can't tell when a real crime or people reading their lines are, are is going down. Like, they don't know if, if it's a real crime or if they're practicing their lines. It's insanity. I can't tell any of those times, because it happens like three times in mm-hmm. 90 minutes. I can't tell if any of those times are supposed to be like a joke. I don't know if they're supposed to be like, oh, look, they got faked out here twice, and then like they think it's a joke, like when Dee Dee actually dies or almost dies or whatever. I don't know if... It's supposed to be like, look at these bumbling idiots, because it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be, but mm-hmm. like it kind of plays for comedy. Like when they bust into that acting class and stumble over and they're like making jokes about how like they owe money for the door. It's like, why is this a comedy now? Like what <laughs> yeah. why is this happening? Like it's so close to being something that's like best of the worst. Like I think of Deadfall when I watch this, but Deadfall <laughs> is just filled with at, you know, you're, every couple of scenes you're going to run into an insane character. You're just going to run into the cage every couple of scenes. Well, yeah, but like even after Cage, you know, is out of that movie, there's another like 40 minutes where... Oh, they got the big, the, the gold scissors or whatever. Well, like Charlie Sheen shows up as maybe Satan playing oh, yeah. pool. <laughs> like he goes to what might be an alien spaceship to meet Edward Scissorhands' dad. Like it's insane. The tall man shows up. Yeah, and there's two Corburns in that. He plays his own twin brother. It's, you know, so that movie is best of the worst. Like, you could see it's very cheap like this, but it has a lot more sort of spirit, and it knows what it is. It's not trying to take itself as seriously as this, because, yeah, this starts with, like, that Blade Runner voiceover stuff, and it's like, okay, here we go. It's like this noir thing happening, and then even that falls off. Like, thank God it falls off, but I totally was expecting this guy to dictate every move his employees were making. I am out of notes about this already. What I would like to do before we get into the recast game is just go back through to Charlize, the reason that we have watched this piece of shit, and talk about what she did, because half of this movie, we mentioned it earlier, she gets her ass beat by the Clintons, and then goes, (laughs) and then winds up in bed rest, and then is out of the rest of the movie. Well, she shows up in one more scene she visits the hospital he visits someone in the hospital i don't know i missed that i guess but okay okay. so the first time we see her is when we talked about her already she was in that bar as a waitress and she identifies that the bartender is running whatever i guess a drug trade yeah i think yeah i think so yeah that's because that's why and she's like telling that's why the dea guy is there i guess all i know is that that bartender later in the movie parallel parks a motorcycle and i was like why is this happening Then we see Charlize at their office. They have a gorgeous, massive office. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's in a yes. very tall office building, very high mm-hmm. off the ground, and yeah. they're in like this, like, every wall is glass. That's like their, like, Hall of Justice, and then they've got, like, a like a safe house, like a like another house that they hang out at. That's where Sally's recuperating later okay. on. Oh, right, right. Yeah, because they have, like, they're at, like, a Capitol Records building where they can hang out on the roof. I wonder if maybe the safe house is, like, Graceland, like that TV show on USA Graceland from a couple years ago that got canceled. It's this house where, like, the FBI and the ATF and the DEA and CIA, and they all have, like, different reps, and, all, and they're all beautiful young people living in a house. And that, that show was pretty okay for a while until it went off the rails. That's what that show was about? Yeah, it was about <laughs> a bunch of different attractive young law enforcement people, including Butterfly from 
from Death Proof, including oh. um, The Rock's current girlfriend, I think, on Ballers. So it's like Charlie's Angels, almost. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> maybe Charlize's recuperation house in this movie is like Graceland from that show, where it's just like, because here we have the cops. I guess we have like, there's not even L.A. PD because it's just like Hollywood no, but they, PD. They're detectives, and then there's, though. Then there's like, DEA. Maybe there's other people. Then there's like the Actors Guild. And maybe there's like SAG. So that's where Charlize is from. What was that about? That was just to mention like, oh, we know about SAG and <laughs> AFTRA or whatever. ASCAT. Oof. <laughs> what would the Hollywood Confidential team do with the uh, Harvey Weinstein allegations? Oh, they would make a billion, you know? Like, yep. that would that would be a great case for the show, is like, yeah. Ripped from the headlines. What if Sally leaked that story? In real life? What? That's That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> they predicted that whole thing but that's kind of what this is about like really right like an actor or a director i can't i'm not sure what which one but he's married with kids and he knocks up this like yes. ingenue this lady that loves him and she's and yeah so i mean it is you know they caught him with sexual harassment even at the end almost like throws back the money he's like i don't want your fucking money <laughs> and people yell money yeah it's the end of uh strange days where the, oh, all the money right. goes in the air. Uh, the next time we see Charlize is in that gorgeous office, and she's, like, just giving an update on her case, but she's, like, leaning over... Not, she's trying to be seductive, but it's just, like, awkward. Like, the desk is yeah. too high, and she just, like, sort of, like, hops up there and is, like, leaning over, and, like, she's obviously beautiful, but it's just, like, why are you trying to do this? Like, it's, like, in this scene, you're gonna you're gonna be sexy. And, like, but the guy pays no attention to her. It's just, like, oh, she's giving her update or whatever. She's, like, ha-ha, laugh at his jokes. And I was, like, oh, this, this is, like, a step back. Like, not that she was great last week on That Thing You Do, but, like, it was the best character yet. And then here, it's just, like, oh, she's back to being, like, an object. I, I want to intervene and say that, you know, you say she might not be that great in That Thing You Do, but I think Two Days in the Valley is the most insufferable Quentin Tarantino ripoff ever. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about that and how it, it's both. It was a Tarantino ripoff, I think, was what Mike said. And then if it came out today, it'd be a Shane Black ripoff. But she's also great in that movie. I mean, she's, she's not a great good character, but she's great in that movie. She does what she can with the role. Yeah, and that she knew how to sort of work what she was given to her advantage. I mean, she was given, you are the beautiful, attractive second in command of James Spader. You're a seductress. You're an evil, beautiful woman. And she was able to take that nothing and basically do the best she could. Here is unfortunately kind of the opposite. Like She's just given nothing. I feel like she's just kind of bringing whatever she was doing in that movie and trying to adapt it and figure out a way as an actor. I gotta think of something interesting to do with this part, but there's just nothing to come up with. Like I don't feel like she was given anything to do. Since this was shot in 95, this might have, she might shot this before she shot two days in the valley you know what i mean like so she might have learned from this about how to be that kind of character maybe i don't know there you go it's possible you could probably you know do both of these at the same time it's just a quick trip from the valley to la in la so the next time we see Charlize is on that roof like Mike was saying where she's eating all the food and they even make a joke they're like what does it take for you to put on weight and she's like I don't know and then like that's the end of the conversation and I'm pretty sure we see characters here we never see again probably there's at least one other agent who's sort of like an older girl there's the new girl the sort of older girl the girl from the brunette with the short hair from Dazed and Confused who I feel was in it you know enough to get a recast Shelly she disappears man I, I like forgot about her they all her. do though like that's the thing is like you could kind of just yeah. pick any of them and say you know we need to recast and same with the guys like we really aren't doing all the guys either because you have basically two big almost balding New York talking dudes right they're like the same they're like Tweedledee and Tweedledum uh, and then you got 
Thomas Jane playing Eminem with that hair <laughs> as the hacker. Resident hacker Thomas Jane. Did you notice him, Mike? Oh, I did. And he, his hair is, oof, that is the epitome of frosted blonde hair in the 90s. Yeah, it's, that is exactly on point. Like, it looks completely ridiculous and, like, who would ever do that? But you're absolutely right. Like, I peroxide my hair in high school twice. So, <laughs> there you go. He looks like Flea. Oh, good call. He looks like Flea with better teeth and more professional attire. Crossed with Johnny Lee Miller in Train Spotting. Yeah, or even in Hackers, right? Yeah. As a hacker. I almost, I think I almost cast Johnny Lee Miller when we did the recast game, which we'll get to. I think because Mike Flynn had told me, he's like, it looks like Johnny Lee Miller. I was like, oh, that's the only reason, that's literally the only reason I'm thinking if I can't take that recasting. But that is a good fit, especially from that movie. Like the same, not the same year, well, maybe the same year as when it was filmed. That was 95-ish, right? So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's the, it's the era. The next time we see Charlize is basically the last time we see Charlize. She's at the club again, and she basically is says to the bartender, essentially, I know what you're doing. Stop it. Basically, right? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's basically like, hey, I figured you out. And he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Then she goes out to her car at the end of her shift, gets beat up by the Clintons, and then gets put in bed, has quote-unquote homemade chicken soup made for her, but it's just Campbell's. And then uh, apparently we see her in the hospital at the end, which I didn't see. Those four or five scenes are why we watch this movie, which is, <laughs> man, what a disappointment. One touch I liked about the scene where she left her work was that her car had the shit kicked out of it. So it was sort of like foreshadowing that she was going to get the shit kicked out of her. <laughs> I don't know. That's I'm deep. looking for anything, guys. I'm, I'm searching with like a comb in the desert. But uh, And then at the end, uh, she definitely shows up. I think it's at Dee Dee's bedside. And Dee Dee like, wakes up and Charlize puts on her sunglasses to conceal her bruises. But Ooh. puts her hand on her hand to offer support. Because Dee Dee survives a drowning even though she was preggers. Do either of you have any other notes to say about or anything else to say about Hollywood Confidential or can we get on to the recast game? I'm down to do the recast game. I don't know how you play it. So let's re- let's let me introduce the game to I guess this is something I think we're going to have to do every time Mike just for the listeners just because yeah, it's that's so cool. I like Nico's term for it last week called Hollywood Tycoon. Uh, that was, that's pretty oh, pretty good name. Yeah, okay. So basically what we're doing is if we were ma- remaking this today, who would we cast in the main roles and who would we also have direct this movie. So the roles that we're recasting for Hollywood Confidential are the Edward James almost role, Stan Navarro, Charlize Theron's Sally, Anthony Yerkovich's Jack, Kristen Dalton's Dee Dee, who's the pregnant girl who almost dies, Thomas Jane's hacker Lee, Jay Downing's Barry Bliss, who is the Hollywood executive who gets the money thrown at him in the end, and then Christine Harnos's Shelley Katz, who is the pretty competent detective who just stops appearing <laughs> in the movie. Um, the only rules is that we can't whitewash, so you can't turn a non-white character white, or you can't turn a girl's role to a guy, but you can do the inverse. And Mike and I cannot use the same person we used last week this week, because they're off shooting that yeah. movie, and they are unavailable for this movie, which probably for the, like, I'd rather, I'd much rather be shooting, uh, shooting that groove other. you jammed with Aziz Ansari than shooting cool. any version of this remake. Yeah, and and I think the only other thing we said was uh, try and keep it as current as possible, but you can yep. kind of stray a few years or There's so. There's no um, real rules. Yeah, yeah. And, and and also, you know, if you want to recast Clint Eastwood as a chair, go right you ahead. Can. Yep. Like you can do inanimate oh, objects, wow. cartoons. Okay. If, you know, in a pinch or if it works. Because <laughs> I, I did a full recast of this, e- even including the 
roles you didn't mention. Okay, so we're, we're going to okay. stick to our roles, otherwise we would be here forever. Yeah, we definitely stick to about five to seven characters. So, yeah, so Mike Manzi, I will let you lead this. Who do you want to okay. start with? Which of these characters? Um, Alright, so... Let's start big. I think this will set a nice tone here. Let's start big and let's go with Jack, the character Jack, who is the son of the writer-director. Oh. Is that correct? Yep. And, son of the writer, uh, not the director. Uh, the, the writer, director sorry. is this guy, Villalobos, I think? Yeah, no, Reynaldo Villalobos, yes. Villalobos okay, cool. from Pulp Fiction. He is predominantly a cinematographer. He, re- he did one other movie that I've never heard of, but he's pre- pre- predominantly a cinematographer, I think. Oh, and he's also done a bunch of TV. He did an episode of Battlestar Galactica, so again with Edward oh, James Olmos. almost. Yes. So, Mike Flynn, we're going to let the guest go first. My Jack was in full Holland March mode, Ryan Gosling. Nice. Oh, okay. All right. I can see that. I like him in, uh, yeah, I totally would buy him as, uh, like I said, like in The Nice Guys. Like, that's a great version of this. Yeah, so, uh, Mike, you you obviously haven't heard this because the episode won't come out as we're recording this for another month or something, but when we did Two Days in the Valley, I recast both him and Russell Crowe as, basically, as their characters from The Nice Guys in that, so <laughs> I totally get that here. All right, Joey. My recasting is, you'll see a trend uh, through a, a bunch <laughs> of these. My recasting is Dominic West, Jimmy McNulty himself oh, from The Wire. I like it. Nice, nice. Aged him up, aged the character up a little maybe I feel but I, I have like n- it ages like it's it, yes, it's I feel tricky. like this game is like whenever you're like whatever your residual self image is to, to <laughs> steal the term from the Matrix whatever it is yeah. like so I think of him as McNulty so from like 10 or 15 years ago it. you know what I mean so yeah that's my guy you know I, I'm trying to like make this movie work so okay. I want to add this character I want to give him some actual energy someone who I think could infiltrate the Hollywood scene I'm going with Ryan Reynolds Oh, got a couple Ryans. Okay, all right. all right. So all of them, good choices there. I think Pretty so. nice so far. All right, how about uh, Thomas Jane, the tech guy? We'll work our way from down back up. I went with uh, someone a little more youthful. I went with Joe Keery. Oh. You will know him as Steve on Stranger Things. Yeah, I like that a lot. Very good. John Ralphio's cool, little cool, brother. Cool. Or John Ralphio's dad, I mean, I'm sorry. In the chronology of uh, TV shows, Interlinked. I went with uh, a little bit outside the box, but when we get to the director, it'll sort of kind of make sense. Maybe I'll, I'll explain it when we get there. Uh, for, for the tech hacker, I went with Mark Zuckerberg. Pretty good. I mean, look-wise, yeah. <laughs> I was going to do Jesse Eisenberg. I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mark Literally Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Literally Mark wow. Zuckerberg. Wow. Oh, man. It's answers like that that going last makes you just not want to go last, but, <laughs> but I'm going to go anyway. This was kind of a tough one, but um, I've actually, I had this, this was this guy almost made the band in that thing you do oh. remake. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Christopher Mintz Plassey, is that okay. how you pronounce it? McLovin. McLovin, yeah. I like that. Like, a, just a nerdy guy, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like he hasn't been in a lot, really, so like, give him this. He has to have the peroxide blonde hair, though. Oh, yeah, I think he could pull that off, too. Like, he's kind of, like, weird enough looking, like, he's not off-putting, but he's kind of got like a very sort of original look that he could pull that off i feel like like mike flynn i love your pick but i feel like steve is just way too handsome to be this like nerdy tech guy. <laughs> also i mean thomas jane is an attractive guy too so it's not yes. like you know there's not a precedent there yeah but that that was exactly my uh <laughs> you could dork him up but at the same time he could do a nice 
reinvention of the of the role. <laughs> and you know, like we've said, uh, there's no wrong choices as long as you can defend why you pick who you yes. pick. Uh, there's no wrong choices in the Hollywood Tycoon recast game. All right, sponsored so, by Facebook. Uh, I didn't realize that both of these female characters are S names. They're Sally and Shelley. Mm-hmm. But let's go with Shelley, the lesser detective, but still kind of okay, and could be really any of the other detectives. Shelley is Cats, uh, right? Shelley Cats. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. My choice was current star of Mr. Robot, Carly Chaikin. Mm. I haven't watched a lot of that show, but I like it. Didn't you cast Mr. Robot himself in something else recently, Mike? Uh, I might have in... I don't know. Sounds I feel like, like we it. just talk about Mr. Robot a lot, maybe. But he doesn't... He's not actually... I don't watch the whole show, but he's not Mr. Robot, right? Like, no. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> I just refer to him as... That's just an anomaly. My pick, and this is, again, continuing my theme, I went with Sonia Sohn, a.k.a. Kima Greggs from The Wire. Oh. Just another nice. detective. You know, she could play a, she could play a detective. It's also turning a white mm-hmm. character not white, so I think it might be the first time I've done that, which I'm trying to get better at. I'm trying to think outside mm. the box. Trying to not just go based... Like, based on looks, I wanted to cast Terry Hatcher here, but, like, it, I can't cast Terry <laughs> She's not a detective. Uh. You know, Kima Greggs, Sonia Sohn. That's what I'm going with. Mm, nice. I'm trying to stick with my people who could pass as actors and also be good detectives and pull that off. So uh, for Shelley, I sort of dipped into the Too Fast, Too Forever pool, and I'm pulling out Jordana Brewster. I love it. Look at that. I mean, she sort of fits the look too much, I guess, but I also think that she would be a good ensemble part of this cast. All right, so we're working our way back up, guys. (laughs) We're almost back to some more of the uh, top stars here, but let's go with movie executive who hires them to watch Dee Dee. Yep. What's his name again? Barry Bliss. Barry Bliss. This is a a small role that demands big star power. (laughs) I have gone with none other than Robert Downey Jr. Oh. Oh, I, I, ca- like I recast that. him in Children of the Corn 3, so <laughs> no stranger to Charlize movies. That's great, yeah. I didn't go quite as big, but I like that a lot. I went with someone. This is a controversial pick. I'm going to say that right now. I went with someone whose name has been mentioned on this episode that Ooh. I just want to see a comeuppance for him at the end. I went with Barry Bliss as played by Harvey Weinstein. I mean, it's typecast. It's yeah. perfectly typecast. And But in, in the movie that we remake, uh, he gets you know, money thrown at him and also, shot. like, spit on or something. I don't know. Not shot. I, I don't want to, you know, no. bring bodily harm to him, but just, like, humiliate him and make him feel <laughs> well, less than. you don't have to, like, shoot to kill. You could just maim him. We can just use the, uh, the the gun as a lighter and just intimidate him. There you go. Right. Trick him at the last second. You pull the trigger and he wets himself. Yep. I will say that I don't think that guy is going to be allowed on any movie set ever again. Hopefully not. I went with a little more of, like, uh, who could play a real slime ball but has a lot of charisma sort of direct. I mean, a lot like Downey, but way younger, I felt. Like, I feel like maybe today's movie executives more uh, a little younger. Yeah, not quite that young, but I went with <laughs> Harold himself, John Cho. Oh, uh, okay. New Sulu. I don't know, just something about, like, I really feel like he could pull an attitude, make you think that he's, like, a real dick. And just because, he, and, and, and I know he, he's not, he's, he seems like a great guy, so, like, I feel like that's good acting. Oh. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of sort of pull that. Sure. John Cho. I like it. Who are we doing next? Dee Dee. Dee Dee the victim. You may have seen her in this year's box office smash split. Anya Taylor-Joy. Nice. I almost went there. That's a great pick. I make fun of I told you that uh, she retweeted me. So I'm uh, me and her are like best friends. 
Oh wow, that's awesome. <laughs> After I saw Split last year, I was like, "Oh, she's so good in the movie." And she like quote and she just said thanks. And like, I got so many people who love her and follow her to like like and retweet and follow me. So that was uh, me and her are like besties. It's totally cool. She's great in that movie. She's great in that movie. She's great in The Witch. I want to cast her in more things. I just you know. She's gonna be in uh, the New Mutants. Oh, she's great in Thoroughbreds. Which I saw the trailer for. I can't wait. That was a Fantastic Fest movie. It was That's the final Anton Yelchin movie. I think. I don't think it was. He's great in that too. And Olivia Cook, who I think I recast in something else from that too. So for Sweet. my pick for DD, the way that I saw the DD character is that like it could literally be played by anyone or anything because like nothing mm. really happens, right? Like it's just like from afar, and they're just watching her, and then she almost dies, and then she winds up in the hospital. I'm gonna do a little bit of a podcast crossover, grab from boyfriend material. I cast the doll from Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, the real oh doll. My. <laughs> the real girl doll. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Because, like, in my mind, they keep confusing reality and movies, so what Mm -hmm. better way to articulate that than to think a real girl is actually a real girl? We are not far from, like, a whole movie, I feel, of real dolls (laughs) performing. It's going to be an all-female film, but it's going to be all Cherry 2000s. There you go. I mean, that just makes me feel bad for casting an actual person now. (laughs) But I kind of just feel bad for having to remake this anyway, even if it's just for fun. Like, I don't want anybody having to be subjected to this. But again, like, uh, I'm like, who do I want to see, at least? Like, who would I want to watch, and who do I think... I want to see kind of take this I think this role it needed more time they could have gone to like a hand that rocks the cradle plateau or peak with this thing but instead it's all off screen I really wanted to see a crazy Kate Mara so that's who I picked Kate Mara I think we could have seen her do a couple different looks maybe be more stalkerish really dig into this role because there's something there it's just like all this character gets is uh, Edward James almost serves her restraining order twice and then she like drowns herself in a pool it's like I want to see her stalking the movie executive the actor slash maybe director all that stuff Beef love up it the role. she's also got that mevin macy connection from house of cards so another oh, sort of little connection go. to the uh hollywood confidential <laughs> scene all right we're getting closer i think we should maybe do Charlize second to last before the director so uh i think the other one that's left is stan right edward james almost in the role of stan navarro senior i chose the one man who if you are going to make another film reboot of Miami Vice he is the only actor that can play Castillo. If they made Sicario circa 1989 Edward James Olmos would have been the only actor to oh, play the part Benicio Del Toro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on my list. He was high up there. That's perfect. I love it. I was thinking just because of the pockmarked face about casting Danny Trejo here. Or Seal. And Seal. What I wound up doing, and this is actually what kicked off my little wire stretch, I went with a reformed Idris Elba, a reformed Stringer Bell, on the right side of the law this time, because he basically is the smartest character in the wire. He's smarter than all the cops. Uh, He he just sort of faces a a, a dark end. Yeah, Stringer Bell as uh, Edward James Olmos. I had, at one point, Andre Brower from basically as Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But I didn't, he didn't really fit in with this. Like, I was going to go kind of like for a comedy reboot, and that didn't really work. And then when I just sort of was like, oh, I'm just going to do everything from the wire, basically. So Stringer <laughs> Bell, Idris Elba as Stan Navarro Sr. I went with a 
character actor I love who I feel doesn't get nearly enough recognition and he totally killed it last year in Westworld. You may know him, you may not, but he goes by the name Clifton Collins Jr. Oh, yes. And I think he would have killed this, man. Like, I need to see him lead a team or be in charge or something. And I feel like he would step into those shoes really well. And I hear Mike and I think he knows what I'm talking about. Clifton Collins Jr. is a great choice. 187 was the first movie I saw him. I know him from, like, Crank. Right. And shit. Yeah. Clifton Gonzalez Gonzalez. But I thought you were about to say Rodrigo Santoro, which also would have been a great choice. Mm-hmm. I, my first thought was uh, Isai Morales, but uh, I don't know what he's been up to lately, so I don't know if he's still got it. But I, I love Clifton when he shows up. He'll be back in Pacific Rim Uprising. I'm excited. Oh, he is going to be in the second one. Yep. That's oh, what I heard. shit. Okay. Now we're... Uh, on to Charlize, Sally. Sally, Sally, just Sally, like Cher or Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> well, joining my ensemble cast will be none other than Margot Robbie. Nice. I think I, when I when you sent me your screenshot of notes, I said this earlier. Like you know, when we were talking about Two Days in the Valley. I think I cast Margot Robbie there. Like mm-hmm. she's kind of the the modern day early career Charlize, just like that. She is full perfect blonde. Although we were also saying like there's probably a newer Margot Robbie than Margot Robbie. And when I thought of after the fact, although I don't know if she's as good an actress, we have to find out. Is Kelly Rohrbach from Baywatch? I think would also probably be a good fit for all of mm-hmm. these early Charlize roles. This, this might be my favorite one that we've done in any of the four movies. My cast for Sally as the actor within this detective agency is Anna Faris playing Anna Faris in oh. Confidential. So basically take her from Keanu, where she's just mm-hmm. like coked up and cracked out and crazy, and put her in this movie, and she's just there because she's like, you know, a, a pretty blonde who is able to sure. go undercover. I guess also a detective? I don't know. Well, I love the idea that it's like an actor turned detective. Instead of a detective trying to be actors. Like, Mm -hmm. you actually have someone who's been there on the inside. Plus, if this actually became a TV series, you could have fun things like that where, like, she goes undercover as the celebrity, but is actually doing, like, recon and stuff. So, I mean, like, there's all sorts of uh, possibilities there. Wow. I I mean, I didn't think this movie would bring me so much fun. Like, what is going (laughs) on here? This is the magic of the recast game. Much like Sally herself, my recast of this character only has one name. Goes by the name Rihanna. Oh. oh, I want to see Ray Ray doing this, like okay. being all detective and seductive and, you know, working her thing and doing what it takes to, you know, bust the case. And she could be tough. And instead of getting her ass kicked, she would beat the shit out of those two guys with like a chain or a pipe or something. And then like walk away singing. We found love playing in the background. <laughs> exactly. That thing would be a Twitter phenomenon. I mean, she just like, she shows up sometimes. Like she showed up in uh, Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets. Yes. Right? For a yep. little while. Uh, and when she was in that human form, you know, she's very appealing. Like she's, yeah, she's just kind of natural on yeah. screen. So. All right. Last one is the director, right? All right, guys. The main event. If you didn't notice my uh, small role with Big Star Power and the fact that Del Toro was scheduled to direct this person, uh, yet another person we have mentioned in this episode, Mr. Shane Black, Mm. doing a biting Hollywood detective story that satirizes the modern film industry and TV industry. And takes place at Christmas. Of course. Entire TV series. (laughs) (laughs) That would be incredible if every episode was like the next year at Christmas. Oh. Oh. I was going to do as my director, Michael Mann, 
for the Miami Vice connection. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. oh that's pretty good. And then that's once I started good. doing my casting, I was like, there's only one man who could wrangle all this talent. And especially Uh-oh. being known for like working with the same guys over and over again and also casting. Like this is where the Mark Zuckerberg pick comes into play because this guy uses like real world people as actors like in The Wire. Uh, David Simon. I think uh-huh. David Simon could direct oh, cool. Idris and Dominic West and Sonia Sohn. Has he done a movie? I don't think so. Okay, that would be interesting. I'd like that. I don't think he's ever... He hasn't directed either. He's just a writer. Well, I can tell you that the guy who directed this movie in real life hasn't really directed it. Yeah, I think, guys, any three of us put us in a room with this, like, just swap us out for the director, and I think we could have done this. No, so it does not look like he's directed any... He's never directed anything, and he's never done any movie work. But I feel like, you know, if there's a a low-bar entrance... And in like in this world, it could be like sort of like a if it goes well, it can become a series that he will actually create too. So mm. it makes right. sense to me. It's like a directorial debut. Nice, Mike Mancy, the last recast, right. the recast game for Hollywood Confidential. So. I went with someone who we're pretty familiar with on the show. This guy knows L.A. He knows, like, the bad side and how to portray attitude and cool and toughness and danger and excitement. Oh, boy. I Please, <laughs> it's please, a, please. None other than our boy. And Mike was on a Keanu episode that featured oh. him, but David Ayers. Oh, that's not. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say Tommy Wiseau. Oh no, no, I already. <laughs> he's, he's 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 still shooting his scenes for the remake of um, Two Days in the Valley that I cast him in. <laughs> who did you cast him as? The guy who wants to kill himself. Okay. The writer. Paul the guy with the dog. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Paul Mazursky role because I love Paul Mazursky's directing style, but I just couldn't right. buy him as an actor. actor. In that Tommy Wiseau. I thought was... you were being sarcastic and saying like this guy knows the danger and the action of L.A. and like the I- underbelly. I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was when I said David Ayers. No, I mean, no, like he's got some legit movies out there, of course. Sure. But you I know, mean, ever since Suicide Squad, I just sort of joke. But Bright looks good, and you know, like he does know how to portray, you know, that L.A. gritty street. So I think that's what this needed more of. It needed less jokes and more danger. Correct. Like he could have uh, brought the balance. I didn't mean to build him up so much. I just thought it would be funny. It, it was funny. <laughs> I just thought, because you were like, when you said you, we know him on this show, I was like, oh, he's back from two days in the valley and he's ready yeah. for more work. In addition to this, I also put as DeRosa, the uh, Rick Aiello character that's like the yeah. Italian guy. I had Holt McCallany. He's on Netflix's Mindhunter. Oh, okay. And I had as Lawrence Brent in an expanded role because it's Shane Black he finally reunites with his boy Mel Gibson Mm. if if I had to cast any more Hollywood detective I was just going to Jay Bernthal was just going to be the last guy added to the crew so if I had to pull (laughs) another name out of the hat that I want to watch I would love to see his dynamic with Rihanna and them like and re-team him up with David Ayer oh that's right yeah so hey best job I ever had so, Mike Flynn, thank you so much for joining us for this terrible, terrible piece of shit. I had a lot of fun. Do you have any last thoughts about this? You'll be back toward the end of Charlize's career, at least yes. currently as it stands, for another movie. But do you have any other last thoughts about Hollywood Confidential? I think my brain is broken from talking about Good. this, man. So is ours, because this movie is very bad. So thank you so much. And Mike, any uh, other Mike? Mike Manzi, original Mike, OG Mike. Uh, <laughs> any last thoughts about this? Or are you, like Mike Flynn, also have a broken brain? Yeah, pretty much. I just want to, you know, thank Mike for watching this as well just so that Joey and I didn't have to go through this 
by ourselves, you know? <laughs> it's, it's always, you know, we always have to, wait, Joey had, like, an apology tour during Keanu. I feel like this might be it for a while, like, um, fingers crossed. Hopefully. Coming up next, at least the box art on the next movie has me smiling. So. Trial and error, yes. Trial and error, some kind of quirky courtroom comedy, Don't hopefully. tell. Do not tell us anything about it, Mike Flynn. I want to go into it blind. The only thing <laughs> I will tell you is, I saw that in the theater. Okay. If that's not no praise or good praise, who knows? So that's that. That is literally like legit, like when someone says like the, the most spoiler-free thing you can say <laughs> is literally like whether or not you saw it in the theater. Although, like perfect. the Scott Aukerman character on Comedy Bang Bang would say that's a spoiler because we know it was in theaters then. You know what I mean? Like we know something about the movie, so like that's a little <laughs> bit too much to know. One thing I want to do, I don't know if we're going to do this every episode, but Nico, who was our guest last week, uh, is going to have a show oh, on our yeah. network early next year sometime, and what he's going to do at the end of his episodes is promote another show on our network. And so I think that'd be kind of cool to just mention and one that, you know, while Mike Flynn is our guest, why don't we refer you to Keanu Club when we when Mike and I watched, uh, Mike Manzi and I watched every Keanu Reeves movie, and Mike Flynn was on a couple of those, including, most notably, the two John Wick movies. And so if you want to go see or go listen to podcasts where we talk about better movies... Go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. Go check out all Keanu Reeves episodes. Uh, We have 73 episodes as you're hearing this. Actually, maybe 74, because this episode is coming out toward the end of December, almost Merry Christmas, if that's the thing you celebrate. And we will have put out or are about to put out the, the results show for the Keanu Reeves Awards, the Keanu Club Awards, the Golden Hot Dogs. So, Mike Flynn, if you have not voted for the Golden Hot Dogs yet, go vote. That's only for you because voting is closed by now for sure. But go check out Keanu Club, the Keanu Reeves podcast. Go check out the John Wick episodes specifically. Also, if you want to check out Street Kings, our previous collab with David Ayer, you can do that, but I sort of advise against that. I gave it a recommend. I do not. So, (laughs) yeah, go check that out. But anyway, for all things Keanu Club, but also watch The Throne and also all of our other shows. You can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cage club or at cage club pod on twitter oh you can also email us what's the what's the email address is it watch it's watch at cageclub.me. email us watch at cageclub.me. let us know what you think of the recast game let us know what you think of this terrible terrible movie let us know if you've heard of this movie we're mm, recording yeah, these in advance that's what i'd like to know we're yeah. recording these in about six weeks in advance as of right now so if you email us do not get discouraged we will get to it eventually yeah send us your recasts too if you have any of those like to hear that i doubt that you have watched this movie but i mean if you you know listen to what we said and you had a better idea for something we said or if you want to pick which of your favorites from each of our recasts you like the best or whatever like last week again no offense mike i would have liked i liked nico's better than both of ours so you know nico's the winner last week if you want to find a winner yeah, this totally. week uh you can pick one of us or whatever i don't care we just give us something to read on air <laughs> watch at cageclub.me I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was our guest, Mike Flynn, and we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. (laughs) 